Hello and welcome to episode number 15 of News of the Nerd, the podcast where we talk about movies, TV shows, video games, comic books and anything else remotely nerdy. I am Ben and I am here with my brother slash co-host, Jason. Hello. Good evening. Good evening. I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. We're recording a bit quicker this time, so we've not got nearly as much news to cover, but there's some big stuff. Today we've got some Star Wars news to talk about from the Star Wars celebration. We've got some Marvel news to talk about, and we're going to do a recap review of The Last of Us. Yeah, I mean, it ended a while ago now. I I hope I can remember what happened in it. (laughs) But in the meantime, you've played the game. Yes, I have. The new remastered, uh, remade game on new engine and everything but shall we start with the marvel trailer right yeah so so just a few hours before we started recording marvel dropped the trailer for what i'm sure most of the internet is probably already calling the wokest film to ever exist (laughs) it's more woke than when your alarm goes off in the morning free lead women the marvels free (laughs) i know it's crazy, it's isn't it? Comment. It is. I, I, do you know what? I've not even looked at any comments about it yet, but I'm sure there's already thousands. Oh, you know there will be. And, you know, it, if it, it's not bad enough as free lead women, one of them is Brie Larson, which the internet hates. Another one is black, which they're going to find some excuse to complain about. And then another one is based around Muslim heritage. So I don't look at any comments on it. I don't want to. It'll just make me angry. But I thought this was a really fun trailer. Oh, it looks amazing. So it starts on a space station belonging to Sabre, which I guess we all thought was going to be Sword. Yeah, so they've they've changed the name of it, but I'm guessing it's still the same premise. I don't know if Sabre exists in the comics. No, I don't think it does. It's Sword and Shield. There's all sorts of organisations in the comics. So what were you saying last week about uh, Secret Invasion being the last time we're going to see Nick Fury? Got that wrong, didn't you? When Secret Invasion come out? Before this. Nah, it's not the real Nick Fury, it's a Skrull. It could be. It could well be. The real Nick Fury's dead. He's been dead since Iron Man 2. Yeah, that'd be a rug pull. <laughs> that'd just be like, if they were like, Nick Fury's never Nick Fury. Um, anyway, so Nick Fury's on a space station. Monica Rambo is outside the sta- space station. And she says she's approaching the jump point, does she say? Which is the, the like, hexagonal, like, warp points that they go through in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Maybe one's just kind of stayed open. And it's like, oh, shit, that's not good. But that's cool that they're interacting more with that cosmic side of Marvel. The trailer, I think the visuals look really good. They may have learned their lesson from Ant-Man. Yeah, I think think it looks great. Um, So I, I did have a look at some comments. A lot of people were saying, this looks like a Disney Plus show. I think those people are on drugs. This is what what kind of drugs? The hard, hard drugs. 
Not just paracetamol, but full-on cocodamol. Just injecting Calpol. But yeah, so we see, like, we get confirmation now of what happened at the end of Miss Marvel. Yeah, we're just going to say that because we had no, like, we were just like, how is this, what? Just left us with nothing. Yeah, well, it was not obvious whether they'd actually changed places or whether Kamala had changed shape. Yeah. Uh, but yes, so this this confirms now that they, they change places because when Captain Marvel appears in Kamala's bedroom, Kamala appears in a spacesuit outside a space station orbiting the Earth. Nick Jones like, why is there a child here? Pretty, pretty fucking disorientating, I'm sure. Not as disorientating as when she sees. I can't remember the cat's name. The f- yeah, the flirking. Is it Chewy, or, or is it Chewy in the comics? It's not Chewy in the film. It might be Chewy in the comics then. I'm not too sure, but the flirking with the tentacles out of the mouth, and then she's just there screaming. But did you notice there's a herd of flurkins later on in the trailer? Either that or cats. <laughs> Can you imagine if it's just a load of random cats? Yeah, we've just put it in there as a, a red herring. No, the flurkin is the king of the cats. So they just follow him around. I did say, I think last time we spoke about this, but I really hope Kamala's family are back in it. Yes. And they are. I feel like that might be like the only scene, or there's a couple of scenes with them in. I don't think they're going to be hugely involved, but we do know that they're in it, which is good because they were a brilliant part of that yeah. series. Absolutely brilliant. They're not just like they're so comedic, but also from an emotional point of view, with how supportive they actually were yeah. about their daughter just going out and fighting crime. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, this is. They most parents would be screaming like, "No, this is no way, not happening." They're just like, "Go!" Well, I think it was like you know, you've got to find your own path in the yeah. world, and we will be here to support you while you do that. No, it's not a lot of lines from Captain Marvel in the trailer. It's one or two. Yeah, there's a few. She is a woman of few words. Yeah, like she only speaks when it's. When it's it really sh- it necessary. Shows that I think Kamala's gonna lead the verbal side of things because she's that kind of character where she just won't shut up because she's that excited and talking about everything. Yeah, and Captain Marvel's her favourite hero as well, so getting to work alongside her, she will just be really giddy. That bit where she's like, We're a team. <laughs> um, it shows us there was a rumour. A while ago, was it a rumour? Anyway, I definitely mentioned on the podcast a while ago that they would switch places every time one of them used their powers. I think you did call that. I do remember you mentioning it. And that, that it definitely seems to be happening. So that's when uh, when they're in Kamala's living room and then all of a sudden Captain Marvel's there instead, which is just before she sees the flirking and freaks out, as you would. Yeah, you would, and... I like how Captain Marvel is just like, not again. But it does, and I'm hoping this is in there. It leaves an opportunity for an amazing fight scene. Well, it looks like that. 
where one uses the power, hits them, and obviously disappears to switch places, and one comes from the other side. Yeah, it definitely like, looks like that's what's out. happening in, in, in one of the shots towards the end. Is they're fighting whoever that is with the big I don't hammer. know who it is. I'm I'm assuming she's like the main villain. But yeah, I'm not sure who it is. I've not watched I don't know, you know, like I said, this has only been out a few hours. A lot of these YouTubes are really quick, so it wouldn't surprise me if there's some trailer breakdowns up there already, but I've not watched one yet. Do you know what gets me? It's it's only a teaser. Oh yeah. And it, it does a really good job of teasing it as well. I mean, it doesn't come out while November, remember, so ha. it doesn't come out while November. So there's plenty of time for there'll probably be two proper trailers before it comes out. Yeah, well, if you notice on that trailer during that fight scene, the person they're fighting is wearing a very similar bangle to Kamala. Oh, is she? Yes. Okay. Sort of looks like Ten Rings kind of energy, Kamala's bracelet kind of energy on the left arm. And I think Kamala wears hers on the right. So I'm guessing it's the other one. So I'm wondering if it's someone from that was from that world that we saw in Miss Marvel. Yeah. Yeah, quite possibly. But there's definitely like a bangle. The clandestines, they called themselves, didn't they? Yeah. So another thing we've mentioned on the podcast before is that Prince Yan is going to be in this film. And Prince Yan is from a race of people who communicate through singing. Do you remember that? Yes. Who didn't? Who was cast as that? Because we were like, weren't it? Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Parks. Park So June. Yeah, from. Murder game, uh, Squid Games. Squid Games, yeah. So we thought that would be a really cool aspect. It looks like there's a big dance number in the middle of this trailer, so I'm assuming that's his planet. So maybe they've uh, adapted it a bit, so it, he doesn't only communicate through singing, but maybe his planet do have big song and dance numbers spontaneously. It's like the planet of the musicals. As I'm scrolling through this trailer, I paused it, and it flicked to a part that I now cannot find in this trailer again. And it gives us a... It, it were a clear shot of the main enemy. Like, walking through the middle of what looks like her disciples or something. Do you, oh! Oh! The hammer? The hammer is the accuser's hammer. Yeah. Was it Ronin, the accuser? Yeah, from Guardians, and, if, and he was in the first Captain Marvel film. Yeah, but if you look behind her, it looks like Ronin behind her. Uh, what time code are you on here? 139. That does look like Ronin behind her. It does, doesn't it? Maybe it's just another creep. Yeah, but also she's definitely wearing the other one of Kamala's bangles, I think. I'm not sure. Is that just part of her outfit? Anyway, that hammer, it might not be the accuser's hammer, because did that get destroyed at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy? When it exploded. But, you know, who's to say that was the only hammer of its kind? That could just be like a Kree symbol. Yeah. So maybe she, maybe she's family? There's a shot of the updated outfits. Um, I don't like Kamala's. 
I think Kamala's is fine. I think Photons is fine. I don't think Miss Marvel's looks no, it looks as really good as weird. the first one. I think Kamala's in the series at the very end looked a lot better than that. Yeah, and also at the beginning of this trailer. She's, yeah. she's in the outfit from the series. Yeah, and I think it looks a lot nicer. But, yeah, on the whole, I think this trailer is really good and... One of the best trailers we've seen. I saw, I saw it, it popped up in my Twitter feed earlier. I watched it. I immediately sent it to you. I then watched it again. Then when my wife came home, I made her watch it again. And then just fully Ran started watching. Ran across the street to some randomer's house and shoved the phone in the face like, have you seen this? Yeah. I'm just going to I'm gonna go downtown centre, just running up to people, going, have you watched the Captain Marvel trailer? It's not the Captain Marvel trailer, it's the Marvel's trailer. And the logo looks great as well. Um, I think we have seen that before. I'm not sure. I think it might have been updated, though, because I don't think before it had Monica's symbol on the A. Oh, yeah. So the, the Marvel is in the Captain Marvel font. You got Monica's symbol on the A now, and then That's obviously the you've Saber got Kamala's symbol, S. That's the Saber symbol. Oh, maybe. I always thought that the idea of these three teaming up sounded fun. It just makes sense as well, doesn't it? I I loved this trailer so much. Okay, so I think that trailer is the entirety of our Marvel news this week, but. We've got more from Disney because Star Wars Celebration was held this weekend just gone. So there's quite a few announcements to cover from that. We'll start with some of the smaller ones and we'll uh, we'll work our way up to the big announcements. Okay. Okay, so there was some stuff shown that we haven't seen that hasn't made it online. Um, at least I haven't seen it online. And that's there was a, a look at Andor Series 2. There was a first look at skeleton crew which is the you know stranger things goonies meets star wars by the sounds of it there was also a short trailer for the acolyte which uh sounds really cool yeah the acolyte sounds really cool yeah it's, it's this is the one with, around the dark side this is the one that we spoke about before this is taking place a hundred years before the phantom menace yeah which apparently shows Carrie Ann Moss wielding the Force. Okay. Which sounds badass. <laughs> there was also a trailer for The Bad Batch, which I haven't seen any of yet. I'm working my way to it. Uh, the Bad Batch is returning for a third and final season. Uh, I've not got there yet. I'm, I'm working my way through Star Wars animation. I'm on The Clone Wars, and then I need to watch The Clone Wars movie and then I need, need to, to watch you Rebels. Need to watch Rebels before Ahsoka. Yes. It was also announced. This is the thing that convinced me to watch Star Wars animation. Mrs. Tales of the Jedi is returning for season two. I really enjoyed season one. And it just wanted made me want to know more about Ahsoka. Which is why I've started on the Clone Wars now. So I'm excited about that. Also, Star Wars Visions is coming back for Star Wars Visions Volume 2, which is very exciting. They've announced... There's a lot of animation coming out. From... Yeah, yeah. And they've announced the studios, because if you remember with Star Wars Visions, each episode is made by a different animation studio. Yep. So they've announced the studios. I, I don't know a lot of animation studios, but the one that really stands out to me is that Ardman Animation is making an episode. 
Why have I heard of that? Aardman Animation is the studio that made Wallace and Gromit. Okay. That's going to be interesting. So they work a lot with stop motion. So hopefully that's what they'll be doing here. That'd be cool. Stop motion fight scenes. But that, you don't have long to wait. That is being released on Star Wars Day this year. So that is May the 4th. Uh, There was some new footage of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny released. Which has released on... That has been released online, so you can look that up. You can find it. June 30th for that, so not too long. Have you you watched that one? No. No, I think... I'm not going to go out of my way to see that trailer now. I might end up seeing it in the cinema at some point, but if I can avoid it, I think I will, because I'm already sold. I'm already going to watch it. Okay, and then... So, this is the first of the big ones, I think. Uh, The Ahsoka trailer. It looks epic. I'm sorry for anyone wearing headphones when Ben just did that. It actually looks epic. Like, so good. Like, there's free Sith in there, which makes no sense anymore. Well, when is this set? So this is going to be set, I assume, after her appearance in Mandalorian. Was she in Mandalorian? Was she just in Boba Fett? Was she in both? Nah, just... Boba Fett, I believe. But anyway, it, I guess it's, it's going it was to... this. It was the same show. Well, the yeah. Mand- Mandalorian was in it most of it. The, the, yeah, they, they, yeah. We'll not get into that again. <laughs> I think it, I don't know if it's set before or after. I feel like maybe after because of other things that got released, uh, announced. But the rule of two still stands. Well, so that means this is set post original trilogy. Pre-Rise of Skywalker. Yep. Which I think is a really interesting time, honestly. I've loved some of what they've been doing with Mandalorian, this series, like really getting into the politics of like what happens when you... Overthrow... A, overthrow an empire. A, yeah. a galactic empire. And someone says in one of the recent episodes, like, we're not rebels anymore. Like, all of a sudden... You know, you've gone from this nice idea of wouldn't it be great if we ran the empire or we we ran the galaxy instead of this evil dictatorship, but then you've actually got to run it. <laughs> and it's figuring out how you actually do that now. We'll talk about this series of Mandalorian at another time, but some of my favourite episodes have been the one that don't focus on Mando and they... They're the ones that the internet has really not liked and I have really enjoyed. It took me a bit of getting into them. Like the start of the episode, I was like, oh, okay. But once they got into them, I was like, okay, I like seeing this side of things. We also have the announcement that Grand Admiral Thrawn is going to be in Ahsoka. Was he a Rebels character? Is he a Clone Wars character? He's like the main baddie in Rebels. Okay. So, which is why they're saying he's returned. Yeah. And then all of those other Somehow, characters... Somehow, Thrawn all, returned. All of those other characters are, like, the main characters in Rebels. Right. So it, it is basically like an addition to the end of Rebels. So is Ahsoka a big part of Rebels as well as... Yeah, yeah. I thought she was just a Clone Wars character. Okay. Rebels takes place... <sighs> Kind of, I think, kind of around the same time of 
The New Hope? No, the Star Wars game. Oh, what, Jedi Fallen Order? Yeah. I think it's around the same time, so there's some amazing, like, bits of info in that show that you do not see anywhere. There's people with the coolest lightsabers I've ever seen. So one of the lightsabers is basically a blaster, and you don't know it's a lightsaber for ages. <laughs> That's cool. Because it's just a blaster. I was really disappointed this this weekend, by the way, because I was looking up the release date for the new Jedi Survivor, and it, it's not being released on PlayStation 4. Nope. So that's one I'm not going to be able to play for a little bit. That is another game that is added to your list, because there were two on your list as to why you're getting a PlayStation 5. Yeah. That's another one now. But so not only is Grand Admiral Throne going to be in this, but he's going to be played by Lars Mikkelsen, who voices him in Rebels. But Lars Mikkelsen is great. <laughs> okay. Like, he, he's a great actor. He's a great villain actor. Well, what else has he been in that I'll know? He has been in... He's in The Witcher. It looks like he's been in a lot of Danish shows that I've not seen. Yeah, he's in The Witcher. He's Stregobor in The Witcher. That means nothing to me. Who's that? Is that one of the other witches? It's the sorcerer from like the first episode i don't remember the first episode of the witcher ben That's been the, the guy the guy that projects and and like a hologram to his castle of naked women I, I i don't remember the first episode of a witcher how can you not because it was four years ago he's in sherlock plays a great like psycho in that but yeah he's been in a lot of Danish stuff. Just from Googling him, he is the older brother of Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. Can you not tell that from the look of him? I wouldn't have guessed that he was his older brother. I think Mads looks a bit older. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, we're in things like House of Cards as well. No, I've never watched that. Um, also uh, revealed in this is that David Tennant is returning to voice a droid that he voices in Star Wars Clone Wars. Yeah, the orange guy. The orange guy? Yeah. The silver guy, isn't he? With a, with a flathead. I thought it was... Um... Oh, you mean... No, I know who you're on about with the star face. Yeah. Uh, who who Yang? Yeah, that's who David Tennant is voicing. I thought you meant David Tennant was just going to be there going. Well, you you thought David Tennant was playing an R two unit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know where my brain went there for some reason. Um, but yeah, I thought he was just going to be there down the mic going. I feel like he'd be really good at that though. Yeah, he'd go full method. He <laughs> would. He'd, he'd, he'd talk a, like he'd... that for weeks. He'd talk like that to his wife. He'd talk like that to his kids. Just ordering a coffee. Yeah. walking in. <laughs> this is going to be the role that David Tennant is remembered for. Who yeah. Yang in Ahsoka? Definitely. Nothing else. He's got nothing else big coming up this year, has he? No. But yeah, when like it blew my mind that there is, there's definitely three dark side users in this. Because there's the big hulking motherfucker. I'm not sure who he's meant to be. And then there's the girl that I thought, oh, there's a, another Jedi. And then she's like, oh, shit, red lightsaber. 
And then there's a very short scene of someone with one of the wheelie spinny ones. Mate, there's no reason Jedi's can't have like red lightsabers, is there? Yeah. I'm sure if they really wanted one, they could... No, so the only way to get a red lightsaber is to purge a kyber crystal with the dark side. So realistically, they would not be a Jedi to be able to turn it red. Okay. There's a lot of Rebels characters appearing in this, which is very exciting because there's some really good characters. Anyway, okay, the big, big news from Star Wars Celebration is the announcement of three new Star Wars films. Yeah, um, they... They release nine different ages which the movies have been set through. So you've got Dawn of the Jedi, Old Republic, High Republic, Fall of the Jedi, Rise of the Empire, Age of Rebellion, The New Republic, Rise of the First Order, and The New Jedi Order. So we've already had films in quite a few of those. But so the thing I noticed is, is there's nine ages there, right? So we've had fall of the jedi right which is the first three films yeah then we've had rise of the empire which is like the end of the age of rebellion which is like a new hope new republic which is towards is just after that rise of the first order that's ray's films yeah so we've got new jedi order new republic which is is one they announced, and then Dawn of the Jedi. There's actually one, but you are missing there, and that is the Old Republic. What are you saying? We've not we've not had a we've not had a film set in the Old Republic. They've not mentioned anything about the Old Republic. Well, I'm sure they will get to it. Yeah, so definitely. Fr- can we talk about the ones that actually have been announced and not the yes. ones that haven't? The first one is from James Mangold. James Mangold is the director of Logan which is the best film. Wolverine film. That's one of the best X-Men films so far. I want to Yeah. I mean, it's up there. Uh, yeah, actually, it's definitely up there, yeah. He also directed Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, so Disney have obviously got faith in that because he's going to be directing a film about the first Jedi to wield a lightsaber. It's exploring the origins of the first Jedi that actually tapped into the Force which I yeah, think so, would be really cool. So there's a quote from him here. It says, When I first started talking to Kathleen Kennedy about doing one of these pictures, what occurred to me was what kind of genre of movie within Star Wars I wanted to do. And I thought about a biblical epic, like the Ten Commandments, about the dawning of the Force. Where did the Force come from? When did we discover it? When did we learn how to use it? So that's cool. If he's the person who discovers the Force and how to use the Force... Uh, how long then until people start to discover the dark side of the Force and use the Force for ill? Yeah, because from what they were saying, and with the whole biblical side, there's people that are causing havoc, and maybe they're trying to look into the Force as a way to save themselves. Like, yeah. But this it's is, their salvation. This is what I want. I, I, I want more, like, you know, rather than just set around the Skywalkers and that story. I want more films that are set far in the future, far in the past, yes. on other planets that have never heard of Luke Skywalker. On, like, out, like flesh it out more. That's what I want, and that's what Disney, I think, has the ability to do. So, second film that was announced 
is from director Dave Filoni. So Dave Filoni has been working on Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett and is directing some of Ahsoka as well. Uh, and his movie apparently is going to tie all of that together, all of the Disney Plus shows. So the Mandalorian, Ahsoka and Book of Boba Fett are going to tie together in this one cinematic movie. Yeah, and it's going to be the Imperial Remnant against the New Republic. So I'm guessing Moff Gideon might be in there. Yeah, because there's a lot of there's a lot of people still loyal to the Empire in those shows. So I, maybe this is going to be like the Empire's last stand at trying to reclaim some power. And maybe we'll then see the creation of the First Order. Maybe, maybe. Thrawn might be in there because we don't know what's going to happen to him and Ahsoka. It'll be cool to see Mando on the big screen. It will. Okay, and then the one that really made nerds lose their shit. Like, insanely, like, heads exploding, and surprisingly, more people were super excited about this. Yeah, I, I think it depended. So if you look through Facebook comments, it really depended on the page that posted it and how, how like, toxic their fan base is. Some of them, it, 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 was, it was just people being really excited. And some of them, it was just people being, like, disgustingly sexist. Um, but so, Charmaine Obey-Chinoy, I'm sorry if I've butchered that name, I probably have, uh, but she will be directing... She's be when she listens to this. She will. She'll be devastated. Come on for an interview, Charmaine. I'm sure this film, you know, it's a, a small independent film. It's called Star Wars or something. It's come out from this tiny studio called Disney. So, you know, you could use all the help you can get promoting it. So and come on here and talk to canceled. us. <laughs> Why have we been cancelled? She just insulted the power that Bay. <laughs> Not being cancelled, being assassinated by Disney. <laughs> We're just being assassinated by Mickey Mouse. Kathleen Kennedy just pulled up outside my house. Mickey Mouse is just like, you mess with the wrong people here. Charmaine has, so she's directed a few uh, Pakistani films. She's of Pakistani and Canadian heritage. So she's di directed a few Pakistani films. She also directed two episodes of Miss Marvel. And they were the two that were predominantly set in Karachi. They were really good episodes. They were. Uh, so she is going to be directing a film about the rebuilding of the Jedi Order led by Daisy Ridley's Rey. Can't wait. Set 15 years after the last film. So I'm hoping she's learnt how to use a lightsaber. It took Luke Skywalker like two films to become like the pinnacle of Jedi Master. He struggled to even, like, figure out how to turn it on in first film. <laughs> yeah, nearly stabbed himself through the face with it. <laughs> and then a couple of years later, wah! Jedi Master. Yeah. So she should be great. I want to put my prediction on the record for this. Go on. Finn is going to be a Jedi. Do you think... I don't think Finn's going to be in it. I think if he decides, because the, uh, the actor's got to decide to return... But... I don't think John Boyega is going to want to come back to Star Wars. If he does, Finn is going to be a Jedi. Because they hinted so many times about him being Force-sensitive. 
They did. Like, they, really, they, really tiny hints all the way through. I think they really, they really missed an opportunity with his character. He could have been so much better than he was. Yeah, and this might be why he comes back because it's redemption to to that yeah. character, and I but think that'd be great. I, I you know, I, I obviously don't know this for a fact, but I think John Boyega probably has a bitter taste in his mouth when it comes to Star Wars because I feel like he was done dirty in those films. Yeah. I'm expecting return of those kids we saw at the end of the second one. Why? Because he forced the broom. Yeah. Why would you expect that they like that was just a fra- that was just to show you that anyone can be force sensitive and you don't have to be a Skywalker. You can just be a nobody, which then got fucked up in the third film when they decided that Ray wasn't a nobody. She was. A Palpatine or a Skywalker, depending on when you ask her. <laughs> no, but I think it'd be cool if, like, she went back to the, they went back to the planet and picked those kids up and. Like, can you, them. you can't just take someone's surname because you. Who's, think who's cool. alive to stop her? The ghost didn't look very angry. And realistically, they were like her adopted parents. Who was her adopted parents? Like Luke were basically a dad to her for a week, and then Leia. I was going like to say she. Week. She barely knew the guy. What else were they to do on the island but talk? If, if you know someone for a week and be like, "You're like a dad to me," then there's something wrong. Okay, so just bear with me two secs. I've got a few calls to make. <laughs> <laughs> you have a long list of people who said like a dad to you. So out of these three films, which are you most excited for? I think the Disney Plus shows have been very uh, mixed so far. Like some of the Mandalorian episodes have been, like most of the Mandalorian episodes have been great. Some haven't been so good. Most of Boba Fett was crap. Some of them were really good because they were actually episodes of the Mandalorian. So like it's been really mixed for me. I'm a bit apprehensive about that one i'm apprehensive about the ray one mostly because i think the the sequel trilogy just had no like cohesion it was really jumbled and that's because you know they changed writers and directors between every film and everyone had their own ideas and yeah so i just feel like her character's kind of tainted by that now i hope they can uh i hope they can pull it back for her because daisy ridley's great and some of the ray the, the actual character itself is really, really good. Ray as a character is a great character. A lot of the time, yeah. I think because I want to see I want to see the universe fleshed out more, and I think the one that's going to be doing that mostly is uh, James Mangold's film uh, that is described as being like a biblical epic. Yeah, it's definitely between that one. It's definitely between the past and the future for me. And I think the past kind it's, of It's just... all the past, Ben. It's a long time ago. Oh, shit. I, ne- I didn't know tumbleweeds blew around here. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that go past? Sorry, I redeemed it. I made you laugh. That was atrocious. <laughs> I think the past movie kind of takes it a little bit more just because of the apprehensiveness of the... The future one has such a 
opportunity because it's what every Star Wars fanatic wants to see is the rebuilding of the Jedi. This is going to be like the furthest into the future that we've seen in Star Wars, isn't it? Yep. Uh, so it's probably, it's got a lot of heavy lifting to do, whereas the others are just kind of filling in the gaps. They can just make shit up. Well, the, the, the ones that are filling in the gaps, it's like they know where they have to start and they know where they have to end. This one, the one about Rey, it, it could go anywhere. They need to make it a solid movie that gives everyone what they wanted, the re-establishization of the Jedi Order and and not end it where it could go on to another film. So it's like purely like, oh, where's this going to go? It is strange to me that this film, because, you know, the the main Skywalker lineage, which if you're taking Ray's word for it, she is now part of that. The main Skywalker lineage films have been the ones that have had episode numbers. Yeah. So it is strange to me that this is not episode 10. Unless it is, like, they haven't announced they've, a title. They've not, they've not announced a title for any but, of them. But these, if it is episode 10, you would assume that means we're making episode 12 and 13 as well, because these always come in threes. What if they're 10, 12, and 13? No, because that would have to be... This one about Rey re-establishing the Jedi Order and two sequels to that, but you know this just shows that they are they are looking further into the future of Star Wars. And I'd kind of assumed that episodes ten, eleven, and twelve were never going to happen now, and they were just going to fill in all the gaps and and show us the the past ages of the galaxy. But I, I think this does show that they are leaving the door open to do more, more like main Star Wars films, if you catch my drift. Yeah. Okay, we've jabbered on about this for ages now. Are we going to talk about The Last of Us finally? Yes. And so this has been out long enough now. Everyone should have seen this. Everyone who's interested should have finished this. So we're going to be talking spoilers about The Last of Us. So if you've not seen it, you know, you're best off not listening like I said, if, if you've not seen it by now, I would imagine you don't really care. But How can also, you not care? Also, we'll be talking about the game and the differences between the two. We won't be spoiling The Last of Us 2 game because... I've not played it. Presumably, that is what they're going to be using for future seasons. And I've not played it. Okay, so shall we start at the beginning? Episode 1 was called When You're Lost in the Darkness. It opens on a dark Texas night. Well, no, it opens on like a... Well, the... 70s? It's set in 1965, that. Oh, is it? Yes, the news show kind of thing. Yeah, it's like a talk show, isn't it? Yeah. And I think this is one of the most daunting scenes in the first episode. Yeah, you know, I think it's something that they had to do early on, was just sell you on the concept. I think it's a genius way to open it. Yeah. Obviously, the talk show host, who's a bit of a dick, is talking to this scientist, and this scientist is like, global warming is an actual issue now. Like, fungus shouldn't be able to infect us, but if the temperatures keep rising, it could, and there's new diseases that could happen. It really, like, gave me the chills, that, that opening scene. 
they talk about cordyceps in that, I think, talking about how billions of puppets with poison minds permanently fixed on one unifying goal. And it's the music that they're putting over that as well as it's zooming in on this guy talking about this. And it's like, okay, I'm sold on this concept. We know what's about to fucking happen. Yeah. So it's been a while since I've played the first game. I played it when it first came out and not since, although I will probably play the the remastered one at some point. But I think something that, because we've spoke before about how video games and TV shows are very different mediums, and they both they need to work to their advantages. And I think one of the advantages of a long-form TV show like this is being able to dig deeper into some of the parts that aren't as interesting for a video game. So we spend a lot longer with Sarah in this than what you do in the game. Massively longer. And I really like that. Yeah. Because we get to know her a lot more and her personality and her connection with Joel. You get to know her. You get to know like the, the type neighbors. of person that she is. She's looking after the neighbours and watching out for them. And yeah, you get you get to know just the, the people around Joel and Sarah because, you know, all of this is about to come crashing down. Yeah, and I think when the inevitable happens of her dying, obviously... You've got, like, in the game, it's not as much of an emotional connection because you've not really spent that much time as her. But in this, you've got a little bit of an emotional connection and it's it's gut-wrenching. I was still really shocked when that happened because I'd seen, like, the adverts of it's this man travelling with this young girl. So I was like, oh, okay, so here they are. Here's Joel and this is his daughter that he's going to be travelling with. So when she died, it was really unexpected for me. Uh, playing the game and I would expect a lot of people watching the show thought the same like oh okay so here's these two that are going to be traveling companions through this series and it really it sets the stage that it isn't a zombie and a lot of people get very upset about this I know they're not actually zombies but for argument's sake we're just going to call them zombies they're infected. It really sets the stage that it isn't a zombie that kills her. Yeah. It's a, it's a person, and it's just it's a, a scared human. Following orders. Yeah. And I think that precedent that all zombie films and zombie games kind of try and show that the zombies are pretty much the least of your worries in this kind of situation. That the zombies are... Once you get used to them, like in The Walking Dead, you just walk around them. Yeah, but the, the zombies are the reason for society coming crashing down. It wouldn't have made a huge difference to this show if it was nuclear war. No. Or, you know, a whole host of other things. Because once society comes crashing down, the psychos emerge. Yeah, and I think I spoke about this on on the gaming episode... Uh, because I think three episodes had been out by that time, so we spoke about it a little bit. But it's kind of like survival of, not just survival of the fittest, but like survival of the most brutal, survival of those who are willing to do the things it takes to survive. Yeah. Which are quite often not nice things. It's a case of, if you want to survive, abandon your morals. Yeah. And from this point on, I think the game correlates so well 
with Joel and Sarah's part. Do you know the escape and them driving round and the So that truck. was that was almost shot for shot the yeah. cutscene from the game. Yeah, shot it, for shot. It was really cool that they could do some things like that. Um that there were moments that were shot for shot. I really enjoyed the bits where they expanded more on the story. Yeah. And something that is something I hope they do more in future seasons. Because if I've got one complaint about this show, I don't think it did that enough. One of my favourite parts of this show is where they completely changed what the game did. Are you talking episode three? Yes. Okay. So we'll get to that. I'm looking at an episode list now uh, just to remind myself what happened in each one. I had completely forgot that... I forgot that episode one doesn't end like when Sarah dies. No, it just like, it feels like years. that is one episode. And I think it was maybe because that first episode was a, an extra long one. Um, but yeah, we did skip ahead, which is also something that I liked because I think that's probably, you know, jumping ahead, is it like 20 years? Yeah. Into this apocalypse is much more interesting than seeing it first start. And I noticed this all the way through, because I'd pretty much watched the show and then not long after I played the game because it came out. There's bits that the game expands on much more, but the TV show does it in a better way. So obviously we skipped 20 years and it's a lot of Joel and Tess and you see their relationship and they're surviving together in a way. And there's a big, you, f- you can kind of see that unspoken connection. They don't show it too much, but you can. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is Joel's reluctance to let himself love another person again. Um, he was burnt, his, his wife uh, left him, I think, shortly after Sarah was born. And then obviously Sarah dies, and Sarah was his all at that point. And I think from then on, he hasn't allowed himself to get close to anybody again which is obviously then what we see change through this series but that is why he kind of keeps Tess although he obviously does really care about her he doesn't admit that to himself he doesn't you know make it a relationship even though she clearly wants that because he's keeping her at arm's length emotionally speaking because he knows that it is an inevitability that at some point one of them is going to die in a horrific way. Yeah, and in the game, it's like he's keeping a, a football pitcher's length. It just doesn't, you don't feel as much of a connection. I don't feel. And obviously, they're searching for this battery because they need a truck. And it goes into it so much more in the game, obviously. But it's one where I feel the show does. And I think. In my opinion, Pedro Pascal is is an amazing actor. Like he's great in anything he does, and he plays Joel better than Joel in the game. With do you know the whole like with Ellie as it goes on, being very you cargo, like yeah. no emotion. That is done so much better in the show, and it shows okay. that. I feel like it is, and it shows the slipping and the letting him care for someone much better 
than the game. The game feels like he comes back and forward all the time. I thought that happened a lot quicker in the show. Like I said, it's been a while since I played the game and you played it like last week. But I seem to remember him taking a lot longer to come round to her. And, you know, it's only eight episodes, so you can't... It's about, it's about in time with the show, but obviously right. playing for longer. So that's probably why, but it's about the same point that they do. Yeah. And the show shows a lot more of why that happens as well, rather than the game, which you, you wouldn't think, because this game was very sparse on cutscenes, I felt. But there, there is a lot of just the characters are talking as, yeah. you, as you walk around. So you still get all that dialogue and you still get you still get to, to see the relationship between them develop. Um, but, you know, that's not a bad thing. There's nothing worse than a game that's just full of cutscenes. So managing to incorporate that in the actual gameplay is a real skill, I think. Yeah, absolutely. The main scene that pops to head when I'm talking about that, though, is when in the show when they're sleeping in the woods. I think that might be episode two. I think it might be four. So... In that, you get a lot of them talking and then both going to sleep. And then, obviously, he wakes up and George just stood there, like, guarding. Whereas in the game, you don't really get that sort of thing. And you don't see... Because it raises questions, like, is Joel... Can he not sleep or is he there, like, protecting his cargo or whatever? Yeah, and I, I think it's just that, you know, he's spent time outside the QZ before... I think he just knows the kind of people who are out there. And because, you know, in a previous life, he has been one of the kind of people who are out there. Yeah, which, which, we, don't see, which we don't see or hear of much in either game or show. No, but he, he says to Ellie, when the guy's asking, asking them to stop and saying that he needs help, and she's like, whoa, 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 stop, save him. And he tells her that, you know, he's pulled that con before. And then she asks if he's ever killed innocent people, and I think he just doesn't answer. Yeah. Which is all the answer you need, isn't it? Yeah. Zooming through that first, obviously looking for a battery, we first meet Marlene, because him and Tess, and she's bleeding slightly, and asks them to transport this very loose-lipped 14-year-old I, f I think there was a curse word every two set two words. And obviously at this point they don't know and they go to break out of the QZ. And this doesn't happen in the game, but I fucking loved this in the show. The correlation of the soldier finding them and aiming the gun at them and kind of the flash quick flashback to when it happened to Sarah and back. And Joel just loses his shit and just pounds this man into the floor. Like, no fucks given, just absolutely goes hell for leather on him. So remind me, in the game, because that's when they scan Ellie and it comes up positive. In the game, how do they find out that she is immune? Because that's obviously S when she... Same way. So there's two soldiers that come and... As they go to scan Ellie, they scan her, but before they read it out, she stabs them with the, the knife that she has. And then Joel and Tess turn around and 
take him out. And then Tess picks up the thing and sees it. Whereas obviously in the show, he pounds the guy to hell. And then after they've been tested. Yeah, after they've been tested, which is why he starts pointing the gun, because this guy is like one of Joel's contacts, isn't it? Yeah. And then so they test him, he's pointing the gun and goes hell flever. And then they find out. And that that scene of them finding out is kind of like quite a good correlation from that point. Obviously, we get quite a bit of traveling to this. It's not meant to be far, is it? It's not meant to be a long journey. It's not meant to be very troublesome. While they're on this very short, meant-to-be-quick journey, we're coming in contact with the worst sound known to man. It's it's the most petrifying sound, because when you're playing the game, it's all silent, and then you start hearing these clicks, you're like, oh, for fuck's sake, not again. Yeah, that's when you know you're going to die a couple of times. I think the atmosphere they create in this show during this bit where there's two clickers around and they're hiding in the like museum bit, the atmosphere they create in the show is really good, like the suspense of it and the use of sound as well. Like everything goes really quiet apart from little creaks and knocks. Yeah. and So I think they do it really well. And then it's that scene where they go to the top of that building and walk across that plank. That is a direct correlation to the game. That scene is shot for shot, word for word, what they say to each other. Yeah, and like I said, there's a lot of scenes in the show that are like that, but I did feel like the show was hampered slightly by... Like, we, we, we're never... Yeah, we're, we're never... You know, certain episodes were just so close to the game. Certain episodes weren't. Certain episodes, like, really expanded on it, and that's yeah. when I liked it the best, because that's when I felt like it was really leaning into being its own thing and not just being a copy of the game. I don't know if I've got a different take on that, because I didn't know anything that was going to happen in the show, and then I played the game after, and I was like, oh, my God, that's worth... Like, do you know the reversal of your point of view? Yeah, knowing what's about to happen, wanting them to change what's going to happen, whereas I'm kind of seeing it again and going, oh, cool. I didn't want them to change what was going to happen. I just wanted them to expand on yeah. it more. So after all of that, they get to the Capitol building. Now, this was a big change from the game to the show, weren't it? Was it? Yeah, so once they're in the Capitol building, obviously all the people are dead, and they're like, fuck. Yeah. In the game, it is soldiers, Fedra soldiers that break in and kill her. And she just holds them off with a gun after, obviously, we find out she's been bitten. Whereas I think the show was so much better because the the shots of them running towards and you're like, oh, shit. The, the thing I don't get about the show is why was the weird kiss thing necessary? <laughs> I know that I know they thought she was infected. But do zombies normally make out when no one's around? Well, no, that that wasn't that they thought she was infected. That was that was them infecting her. I know she was already infected, but that was just them. I thought they thought she was infected because they were all just running past her, apart from that one. That was how. That's just because they were chasing others, isn't it? But that that because in episode one, we'll go back to episode one. The old lady next door is infecting the man. Is it a man? Or I can't remember. Yeah, I think so. 
And when she stands up, she's got those like she's got those yeah uh, fungal tendrils, tendrils hanging out of her mouth. And that is yeah, that is I thought like a big improvement on the game. And again, it's something that the game I don't think could have done as well. Like in a game, it makes much in a game it makes much more sense for you know the the, the zombie bites you when you turn, but to really. It's like really committing to like the fungal aspect of this infection, like these these weird fungal tendrils being used to pass on the fungus. I thought made a yeah. lot of sense and were visually really really creepy. Yeah, but I get why the game did it with soldiers because it gives you more gameplay. Trying to sneak out of the place, obviously, if she'd just blown it up, you'd be out. There'd be a cutscene. So I get why they did it, but I liked that change. Let's talk about episode three, which... One of the best episodes. Yeah, like, one of the best episodes of anything. Like, one of the the great episodes of TV. I feel like this will be remembered for years to come. And it's a complete opposite direction to what the game does, and it is a much better direction. Yeah, so, again, what I'm saying with... TV shows being able to do things different to what a video game can do. When you're playing a video game, you're focusing on your main characters. You're focusing on your playable characters. Yeah. When it's a TV show, you can have episodes that are just focused on peripheral characters. And this did that so well. The little bits in this as well, like the first Mealy Cooked Him and the last Mealy Cooked Him were the exact same. So it's obviously, it's Bill... Yeah, so this this episode is about Bill and Frank and their relationship, and I, I had completely forgotten about about the character of Bill because, like I said, it's been years since I played it, and he wasn't a particularly big part of the game, was he? No, he's he's like a couple of missions just so you can get a car and yeah. Uh, but they they really they really focus on on that character and Frank isn't it, Frank is dead when when you get there. I I don't know if they did this on purpose, but I think it it was a misdirect when so when it's it starts with Joel and Ellie. It doesn't stay with them for long, but they're basically looking at a mass grave. Yeah, and Joel explains that you know when when the outbreak started, they were just killing people because it was the easiest way to control the infection. And then she sees a body that's wearing a red dress and then it cuts to you seeing that person in a flashback. And I thought, oh, we're going to see the story of this random person in this mass grave and see how she got to be there. I like that is a interesting idea. And that's it's something that I would like to see more, just like other random stories of random people in this world and what happened to them. But it, it so it quickly moves on, and we start to follow Bill, who hides out so that he doesn't get rounded up by Fedra. He's he's a he's a doomsday. He's a, he's a doomsday prepper, yeah. Which all the doomsday preppers would be so smug if this happened. I fucking told you so. <laughs> Um, and and Frank Frank gets caught in one of his traps, is it? Yeah, like, in, in on, a on the hole. perimeter. I really, really thought Bill was going to kill him. 
because I think like I've been conditioned by the first two episodes of this TV show and playing the games that just, you know, people are not nice in this world. So I really thought Bill was going to kill Frank. And then when Frank did did, did get into to the house, I thought, oh, Frank's going to kill Bill. You're just there like, someone's going to kill somebody. Yeah, I did not expect it to be this, like, one spark of hope, which is kind of what it turned out to be in this, like, gloomy, fucked-up world. Yeah. And so we see, like, their relationship blossom and time go on. and But, yeah, then Frank Frank gets ill, and it gets to a point where Frank's just there, like, I want to I wanna be done. Like, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd rather go out my way. So yeah. that's that is that's gut wrenching. But the correlation to the game, like in the game, it is they hated each other, they loved each other for a while, and then they absolutely despised each other. I, I think yeah, Frank got fed up of Bill's obsessiveness. I'm going to say con- control. Obviously, you know, he's trying to keep him safe, but it, it, it was it was obsessed with remaining there, remaining hidden, remaining on their own to keep them safe from the outside world. And Frank didn't want to do that. And Frank leaves and dies. And that's what happens in the game. Uh, but yeah, in, in the show, he, he's done. He's, he's, he's fed up of living in pain. And asked Bill to give him like one last perfect day, which is a, a beautiful thing. And it's it's that moment where you realise like Bill has come on so far that he would rather die with Frank. Bill says, I'm old, I'm satisfied, and you were my purpose. Yeah. Up until Frank comes along, he's quite happy to live the rest of his life on his own in that house, just surviving. Yeah. But then what's the point of that? What is the point of just surviving and not living a life? And then that's what they did together. They lived a life. And I'd say they lived, like, one of the best possible lives that they could have in... Quite cushy, to be fair. ...in that world and in those circumstances. Quite cushy. They had, like, fresh veg, fruit. They had slap-up meals. And obviously they go to bed together. The tablets that were in the wine take effect. And Joel and Ellie come back. There's a letter in this, which I kind of liked, but there's a letter in both but a completely opposite. So one's from Frank to Bill saying, fuck you. And then it obviously in the show, it's Bill to Joel telling him, take anything you want, look after Tess, which is just a, I think the fact Ellie reads it. It's a real gut punch to him. You can, yeah. you can see on his face, again, he doesn't want to show any emotion, but you can see that that, it, it's like a reminder to him that he's, he's failed to look after her. He's failed to protect her. Okay, so so that was a big departure from the games, that episode. And that's probably the biggest departure from the games, is that yeah. single episode. But another way that they expand on the game in... So we go to episode four, which is called Please Hold My Hand, which that's is what we were talking about earlier. It's when we get to Kansas City and they're ambushed. And this really goes into more detail about who they're fighting because I think in the game it's just like a nameless band. 
not a musical band. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just like it's it's just it's just a gang of survivors. But in this, it's like a whole. But this, yeah, community. and and so you've got um, Melanie Linsky's character, um, Kathleen, who oh I God. think is a, a complete invention for this. And uh, great like, addition, though. Oh yeah, like she, showing she is... how psychotic people can be after what the collapse of society has done to them. Like they weren't great psychopaths before. But everything they've been put through, yeah, has taken them to take these measures. And again, this is actually similar to what I was talking about earlier with the um, the New Republic in Star Wars in the Mandalorian. Like after after the rebellion, then you've got to lead. Yeah, and so you know, Fedra's been in charge. The people have banded together and overthrown Fedra. Because it sounds like the the Fedra in Kansas City were particularly sadistic, and now Kathleen's in charge, but becomes like almost as bad as Fedra, like she's executing prisoners, and you know will we'll stop at nothing to find Henry purely out of vengeance. Yeah, like she doesn't really gain anything from him dying. But she wants him dead, and is is almost blinded by that. So, like I say, the a nameless gang in The Last of Us. Something that's really good that they do in The Last of Us Two, um, just to to humanize the people that you're killing a bit more. Is if you just kill like a random enemy, and then another enemy comes across their body, they're like, "Oh my God, John." Every, they've killed John. John's dead. We need to tell his wife. And it, it really it just adds another layer onto, you know, the, the fact that even the protagonists of this game are not great people and that the people that you're killing, it's like, you know, they are people and they have lives. Yeah. Um, so at, at the end of this episode is when we meet Henry and his younger brother, Sam, uh, and they're, they're holding Ellie and Joel at gunpoint. Yeah, and then in the next episode, do we we get a bit of flashback? Yeah, we get little little bits of flashback to like when they started hiding and things like that. A, an interesting change from the game in this is that obviously in this, Sam is mute. No, he's deaf. He's both. He well, yeah. Whereas it in the game, obviously he's he can hear, he can talk. All of the dialogue that needed to come across from Sam is still include is still conveyed. Yeah, and it's just like another level to his character, really. Yeah. It's it's just another thing that humanizes him, that makes him a a real believable person. Yeah, so I think most of this episode is a flashback of them two, and then it gets forward to them saying like, "We got a way out." But we need help. I feel like Joel's very reluctant on this, but oh like, yeah, yeah, Joel Joel doesn't trust people, and again, no be- one. It's because he's been he's been one of those people that you shouldn't trust. Yeah, but yeah, he doesn't trust anyone, and Henry Henry confesses that he sold out Kathleen's brother, and that's why Kathleen hates him so much, which makes Joel hate him a bit. Yeah, but he also. 
says he did it because Sam needed medication for his leukemia. So it's like, it's that, that shades of grey, isn't it? No one's no one's fully good, no one's fully evil. You're doing what you can to survive. He, yeah. And that, that meant that meant selling out the the resistance that was fighting against Fedra, and obviously that is that is the, the wrong thing to do. But uh, you know, what would you do in his position? And it's an interesting parallel to the way the series and the game both end. And like I said, we're spoiling it, so I, I can't imagine anyone's gonna go. Well, I'll just listen to up to when they get to episode five, because that's as far as I've seen. So the end of the game, uh, the end of the game and the the, the show, Joel Rescues kills a lot of innocent people that think they're doing the right thing for, for the sole reason of saving who has by that point basically come like his adopted daughter. Yeah, him doing that is. I, mean, I was going to say it's similar to what Henry does. It's on a whole other level to what Henry does, but. My point is him judging Henry for selling out one person to save his son. It, it just shows you you don't know what you would do until you were in that position. Because yeah, uh, Joel would give up everything to save Ellie. I love the line that they say in, in this episode, where is I am the bad guy because I did a bad guy thing. Henry says that yeah. to Joel, and I think it just shows the complicated moral morality at the heart of not just this episode, but the series in general. Yes. And we fast forward, they've got through the tunnel, it looks all clear, and then they're getting sniped at. Yeah, and I think that sniper is a... Just an old guy. I, I, that's a direct thing from the game, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you have to get into the house and get and take the sniper. You also see the first, like, bloater-type zombie. Yeah, big boy that's just ripping people in half. Which I'm sure is different to the bloaters that you get in the game. No, is it not? no. I thought other bloaters in the game just not just, like, big fat things. No. Like the bloaters on Dead Island. No, there's two. Bloaters okay. near water and bloaters in general. Okay. Bloaters near water are big fat things. Bloaters in general are just, like big six-foot muscly things that throw fungus at you. Fair enough. This episode ends in the most horrific way. So, so you know, that, that bloater emerges and... About 16,000 other zombies. A, a, a whole lot of infected, yeah, and just lays waste to uh, Kathleen's forces that have taken over Kansas. And then she she get ripped apart by the bloater... Does a bloater kill her? Yeah. She gets killed anyway. She and, wants to kill Henry instead. Yeah. And she's concentrating on that and don't pay attention to the big fucker. Yeah, and, and that just goes to show you, like I was saying, you know, she was she was absolutely blinded by vengeance and that costs her her life by the end of this. And it feels like such a shame, like such a waste. And like you could have a full series just about like them overthrowing yeah. Fedra and taking Kansas back, and it sounds like they've overcome so much to take control of their city, and her hatred of this one man has brought it all down, ruins it all, and now now Kansas is uninhabitable. Yeah, and we think we're in the clear. The motel. It's 
cool. One thing, obviously, in this that doesn't happen in the game, Ellie wipes her blood because it fi- we find out that Sam's been bitten. Ellie wipes her blood on it, thinking that might help. Whereas in the... And stays in the room with him, whereas in the game, it's completely different. She goes out the room and comes back in the morning. And finds him turned. Yeah, but she wakes up and he's just sat on the bed, which is weird that an infected didn't just eat her in her sleep. Yeah, maybe because she's posing no threat to him. Well, she's infected because she's infected. And, and she's infected. Yeah. Uh, you know, if she's posing a threat to him, infected, you see, in in the show and in the game, will still attack her. Yeah. But maybe because she's posing no threat to him, he just doesn't see her as a target. She's kind of comatose and they can tell that the fungus is there. Yeah. Obviously, Henry has to then kill his own brother. I mean, that is one of the most heartbreaking moments in in this show, is when when Henry kills Sam. And then you think Joel's going to talk, uh, take the gun off him and kind of console him. Yeah, um, but then that's, you know, everything he's done, like he said, he's, he's done a bad guy thing. He He sees himself as having done a bad thing, but knows that he did it to save his brother. Yeah. And now his brother's gone. And I, I think, you know, he, he's, he's got no purpose anymore. And everything he did... Was for his brother. Well, everything he did was now pointless. So he takes his own life and it's like, what? It is. It is a... Uh, and it's one... It's kind of like Game of Thrones, this show, in that just don't get attached to anyone because yeah. it is not going to end well. As Pedro Pascal knows. Spoilers for Game of Thrones. <laughs> Uh, next episode, we finally they finally find Joel's brother. Oh yeah, so they finally find Tommy in yeah. Jackson. And do you not see Jackson in the first game? You do, or is but it on a the very, outskirts at the end? Is it a very different Jackson? So they're at a, like a water power plant because so and that's where it all takes place. And I, I said I wasn't going to spoil the second game. I don't think this is particularly a spoiler because it's like. It's right at the beginning. You start the second game in Jackson. Which makes it, sense, because at the end, that's where they're on about going. Yeah, and it looks a lot like the Jackson that you see in the show. Yeah, and it's... So you can't, you see that from, like, a cliffside a bit further away, yeah. so you see all the lights and everything. And it's but, a proper little self-sustained community. It looks like a decent place to live. Yeah. Uh, Maria, Tommy's wife, even she calls it a commune. I I thought that was a great moment because a lot of people like the the, the term communist has some real negative connotations. Um, and Tommy is happy living here and engaging in the commune and being a part of it. And then you kind of see like when when it's pointed out to him that no we are communists this is a commune he pauses for a second as like oh shit like it's like everything he was taught about communism suddenly it has to question it all and especially he 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 was a vet as well so he was probably taught to hate communists vet as in veteran not as in animal doctor yeah i think most of this episode is at that little community yeah Apart from this, the bit, the main thing in this is that Joel's trying to get Tommy to take over with Ellie. 
And, yeah. we, and we see that that towards towards the end he's like he, he gives in he's like i know the right thing to do and i started to care for this person so I, I'm, I'm gonna stick to it and i'm gonna do it and they go to where they're meant to go that's it his guard started to come down yeah he's, well it's it started to come down before that but i feel like he's not quite admitted to himself yet that he cares for ellie yeah and in this one is when he's kind of forced to to confront that but yeah, this, this kind of just shows them the life that is possible. This is the ideal in this world, isn't it? This is what you can aim for if you all work together rather than trying to kill each other and take each other's shit all the time, which is what everybody else is doing. Everybody else is just trying to take whatever they can rather than share whatever they can. And these people are living a uh, you know relatively good life here by sharing what they've got with each other it's like an ellie in this as well when she finds out joel's on about abandoning she's like don't tell me i'd be safe with someone else because the truth is i'd just be more scared like you hear the the fear in a voice saying that but also the anger at the same time yeah because i think she thought she were getting through to him something i found interesting is that that scene especially so bella ramsey said like she didn't study the ellie in the game for her performance because she didn't want to be like too influenced by that but if you watch these side by side the delivery is so close to yeah. the delivery that, that ellie gives in the game but yeah it was it was a really uh, impactful speech that she gives he obviously then changes his mind and they go to where the fireflies are meant to be find a load of monkeys and then there's some random yobs and he gets stabbed. He does. He gets like what looks like a broken off like baseball bat or something. Yeah. Stuck in his stomach. Which does not seem, which is, it's very different to the game again. Obviously, I mean, there, are, there are people there, but he fights someone, falls off a ledge and gets rebar. Yeah, it's it's kind of different, but the injury ends up being pretty much the same is impaled through the stomach um yeah, and... it, it's just more directly somebody else's fault i guess in the show like it's it's more directly that somebody does it rather than they were scuffling and fell and he gets impaled yeah and then next episode we see that the, the situation's not improved much and he's still in a really bad state ellie's trying to look after him but we get this flashback to yes. Ellie in like Fedra training. So you have played, you've played Last of Us Part One, which is the remastered Last of Us. Does that game include the Left Behind DLC? It does, but I haven't actually gone on to that. Okay. Just because my PC so, was struggling. So this episode is very very closely based on the left behind dlc yeah. which is uh the, the story of ellie and her best friend riley just being teenagers and trying to just have a a good time in a mall which is something that you know all teenagers surely even even gen z teenagers have just hung out in a mall and gone round and played in the arcade and gone in, in the photo booth and took silly pictures together. And it's something that these kids have never 
had the opportunity to do. And had the whole internet blow up because they kissed. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, you've ruined the episode now. It's like, no, it was, it was, it was a really good episode because we got to see the start of kind of a downhill slope for Ellie of her just losing people. I mean, I guess she, she's always been losing people. If we, you know, we're skipping ahead a couple of episodes, but she's been losing people since she was born. Yeah. But yeah, this is this, this is them just trying to be teenagers, and the, the end just shows why they, they can't really do that in this world. Yeah, because even in a place that they, they, they keep going and they're having a great time for hours, all of a sudden they get bitten. Yeah. And what a heartbreaking way for... Ellie to find out that she's immune. Oh God! Both well. of them just sat there, like, agree to lose the minds together, and then Riley's the only one that turns, and she has to kill her. I mean, how how lucky though that because you know that infected could have just outright killed them both, or they could have decided to just kill themselves after they were bitten. Yeah, because you know she didn't know before that that she was infected. No, but it was poetic in the way that they, they wanted oh, yeah. to go together. Yeah, definitely. But it, it does kind of make me think, how many other people could have been immune and never because got never got the chance to find out? Sipping forward, we see Ellie's mother give birth, and I think she gets bitten while the umbilical cord is still attached, and that's why she's immune. Yes, so how many other people have been in that situation? They're probably not in the masses, but... Yeah, no, it, it's. I, it, I suppose it's not a common thing. But how many mothers have given birth with the umbilical cord still attached and there's been no one else to save them? Or they've not managed to get away? It was a, a good way of explaining why Ellie is immune. Because, again, not explored in the game. She, she's just immune and we don't know why we, we don't know if it's just a mutation or what but yeah in this you you do get get an answer next episode again great episode so so this, this is the one where joel spends most of the time unconscious while ellie's looking for food she owns that shit doesn't she she goes hunting for food finds these two guys holding them down like hey go get medicine and fucking die and it turns out that, once again, there's another psychopath in the world. This is the cannibal gang that is... she, she ends up... Go on. I've seen this question a lot, and I'm pretty sure I know the answer. But I've seen it quite a lot online, and people discussing about it. So the main guy, what's his name? The preacher, David? Yeah. Is he trying to fuck Ellie? Obviously. Okay. But is that even debatable? Like... He tries like, to rape her at the end of the episode. I think it's unclear. The only bit is when he holds a hand in, in the cage and it's like, I could let you out. And it's a bit like, okay, that's a bit nonsense. Yeah, he, but then at the end, it's a bit like, are you just trying to kill her or fully like... No, like, he, he even suggests when she's in the cage, he's basically asking for her to be his, like, child bride. Yeah. Yeah, but she, so she gets she gets some penicillin. So sorry, we're jumping about in this episode a bit. Um, now that we're getting towards the end, she gets some penicillin and manages to give it to Joel just in time. Ju- like just injects it straight into the wound, which I don't think is 
really hey, what you're it, meant to do. It, it worked. That I think that is one of the most video gamey things that happens in this show. Is it's like he gets a med pack, and all of a sudden, like it doesn't take long before he's up and about and he's just kicking ass again. <laughs> she just gets shot in the head, stemmed to the arm. I like how she hides him behind the bookcase in this. It's a nice little touch. So, like you said in in episode one, when he beats the shit out of that guard, and then since then he's been a bit more like protective Joel, like fatherly Joel. Yeah. Here, you know, Ellie is in trouble. And so you you do get like psycho Joel comes back, and so it's it's the bit with the two guys when oh it's absolutely he, he he sticks the knife behind the guy's kneecap and he's like I will I will pop your kneecap off, but it's it's like this in in the game, isn't it? He does that and he's like I will pop the kneecap. Tell me where she is. He tells her and he's like as long as your friend tells me the same. Yeah. Kills him, and then he, <laughs> the guy's like, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. And he's like, no, I believe him. But yeah. It's like, it's just ruthless. Yeah, yeah, it really is. But, you know, it is... I, I hesitate to say the right thing to do, but maybe the right thing for his survival to do. Yeah, and that's that's what it is, isn't it? It's, it's all about the right thing for their survival. Because if if Ellie had been a bit less trusting... Of the two guys, I, I can't remember the other guy's name. It's David and someone else. Goliath. Yeah. James. James. If she'd been a bit less trusting of them and just and, and killed them when she was pointing the gun at them, she would have saved herself a lot of effort. I guess she wouldn't have got the, the penicillin or maybe killed them once they brought her the penicillin back. But yeah. she, she held up her end of the bargain and paid the price for that, whereas Joel does not hold up his end of the bargain and is safer because of it. Yeah. Before we go on to the last bit of this episode, one thing we haven't pointed, when they're waiting for the penicillin to arrive, the menacing factor of David telling this story to Ellie about how he sent these people out and when they've come back, they say they was killed by a man accompanied by a girl. Like, he knew all the time who she was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's just menacing. But she takes about 75 machetes to his face. Oh, yeah, she goes sick. Because, like I said, he he is trying to rape her there. I don't think that's even ambiguous. Like, he's holding her down. He tells her that he likes it when she fights. It's clearly sexual. He's clearly going to rape her. Although, like, the building is on fire around them at that point. And, like, and it makes a really, like, cool backdrop for this this fight and this struggle between them. But I, I think, you know, get out of the building. <laughs> stop, yeah. Stop fucking around. Get out of the building. Well, also, it doesn't... Like, there's, a whole, there's a whole, like, town of them there. Is nobody concerned that their bar's on fire? <laughs> I would be. I'd be like, the bar! Is, is it bar? It is a bar, isn't it? No, it's like a barbecue or Like a butcher's or somewhere. Anyway, no one's concerned that it's on fire. No one comes to help. It's a uh, but yeah, she she really, really goes sick on him. And she's in a state. Joel gets there and she's like screaming, get off. And then he's it's, it's like, look at me, it's me. Just yeah, yeah. And it's when he calls a baby girl as well. Like he did Sarah. Yeah. And that's it. She she knows then when she sees Joel, she knows that she's safe. 
And it's, you know, linking back to when she says, you know, if you're not there, I'll just be more scared. As soon as she sees him, she feels safe again. Yeah. And then we obviously, we've talked about the last episode, but she starts off very absent. Yeah. I don't, th- I don't think she's she's quite recovered from that. I mean, she'd probably never recover from that, but... Yeah, and Joel I is just it's... opening up left, right and centre. Yeah, he's just trying to trying to get something out of her. And I think it's the moment when they see the giraffes, that's when she, it kind of... It, at the start, it's very at the, what happens very at the forefront of her mind. She's very closed off, and then yeah. see the giraffes, and I think that's when she opens up a bit again. Yeah, that's like one of those moments where she got because she's forced so often to be an adult. It's one of those moments where she she just gets to be a kid again for a second. Yeah, and we see is it like a flashbang or is it knockout gas that they throw at them when they're just walking down a path. I think I think they throw a flashbang, and then it just cuts to yeah. Um, and Marlene's there somehow. She's got there at the same time. I know, like Joel, <laughs> you, you've got to take her there. And well, I'm going to be there them. when you get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we find out that the only way for this cure is to take Ellie's brain. Joel's not very happy about that. Yeah. And Joel goes full psycho cowboy. Yeah, so this is what I was talking about earlier with the, you know, what what would you do to save those that you love? And all the people that are there are there to save the world. And the again, life of one for the life of many. Correct me if I'm wrong, but in the game it's like we're going to we're going to take her brain out and see if we can make a cure out of it. In this, it's like, no, we've already looked into it and we know we can make a cure. Like it is, it is a hundred percent as far as they're concerned. But if Ellie dies, the rest of the world can be protected against this infection, and society can then start to rebuild. I don't think it's like that definite in the show because I think they say like, oh no, no, Mar- Marlene. It, we, she says like we take it from her brain and they can synthesize a cure. Marlene definitely, definitely, like she's excited about it. I'm sure she definitely says like because that's something that struck me is like oh like they they can do it they know they can do it, like she definitely says that you know I think until he had actually seen her and examined her he wasn't so sure, but then he's like it he's like yeah we 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 can do this we can make this cure, and yeah Joel's just he's just not having it, he's lost too many people and he's not gonna lose Ellie no matter what it means to the rest of the world. And I think I think that there's two levels to to what he does here. Because Joel to, to me will always be one of those characters that you know, you you'll see like pictures on, on Facebook and it's like if you idolise these people then you're missing the point of their character. Joel is one of those people. Like if you're idolizing him, if you think he's the good guy, you're missing the point. Because he he sacrifices the world on you know the, the the large scale, but he also sacrifices each and every one of these individual people who are there to do the right thing, are there to save the world, will have families, will have husbands, wives, children, and he he doesn't even think twice about it. He will trade all of their lives for Ellie's. Yeah, and, and many of them are like 
you know, many of them are fireflies. They're like rebel soldiers. But the doctor's not. The doctor is just a doctor. He's not a soldier. He is literally there to, like, perform a surgery and make a vaccine. Yeah, but I think from Joel's point of view as well, like, he's seeing these communities all living together, some thriving. The world is absolutely in shit anyway, like, in terms of buildings and structures and... He's there, like, is it worth the risk of it, this possibly not actually working? I don't think it matters to him. No, it, def- it definitely doesn't, but I think that fuels that decision as well. I don't think anything fuels that decision other than I am going to save Ellie's life. You are not killing her, no matter what it means for the world. You are not taking this girl's life. And I think it's... One of the advantages the game has is that you spend a lot more time with these two characters building this relationship. And also, it's you. It's you doing it. Like, you don't have a choice, you know, to progress in the game. This is what you have to do. You don't get a choice whether to save Ellie or not. But it is you killing these people, killing this doctor. And I think that makes it so much more emotionally impactful in the game to what it did in the show. Because you physically have to do this. Yeah, but it does do a really good job. And it kind of goes a bit first person Yeah, in the show. And it, it, I, I think it did the best it could in the time frame it's got. I do wish this had been like twice as many episodes or maybe spread over two series but yeah video game adaptations in the past haven't been particularly successful so for one to be is very H- good hbo were probably hedging their bets with this and that's why they've not let it spread over two seasons that's why they've only given it nine episodes i will be very surprised if uh, they don't they don't space the second game out over a much longer time period. Yeah, and it ends, obviously, the cold-bloodedness of him killing Marlene, just being like, he's like, you can let me go, when he's like, you just come after her, bye. Just cuts to Ellie being in back at car. And it's that bit just after where she's like, just tell me everything you told me about the Fireflies, because obviously he tells her, that they've tried it before and they they couldn't find it's not worked and there's others like you yeah there's others that are immune it's fine but we don't need you after all yeah and she's then like tell me everything you told me about the fireflies and marlene's true and he's like i promise and i think in that moment she's got a pretty good idea he's lying i think but chooses to believe him chooses to to look up to this father figure and trust so, that what he's telling her is accurate. So in a second season, are we going to see the resentment from that come in? I mean, yeah, no, no, no spoilers for all oh, The Last of Us Part 2. Maybe, are, are you going to be playing the second game? Do you think when it comes soon, out, yeah. When it comes out on PC? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, maybe we'll be able to, to talk about that and expectations for the future of this show on another episode um but on this episode we're not going to spoil that um but yeah that the the second game is very much the repercussions of joel's choice in this 
And again, it gives a, a lot of the same moral dilemmas as are presented in this. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's just it's 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 a bit, the show is a, is about morality. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I I think it's even more the second game about like those shades of grey in people. Everyone is the hero of their own story. Everyone thinks they're doing the right thing. Marlene thinks she's doing the right thing, sacrificing Ellie. Joel thinks he's doing the right thing, not allowing that. Sam, again, going back, Sam thinks he's doing the right thing, uh, selling out the, the rebel leader in Kansas. Kathleen thinks she's doing the right thing, avenging her brother. David thinks he's doing the right thing, cutting up people to feed his community. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess so. One note about that, actually. I know we've moved on from that episode, but if you're trying to hide the fact that you're cutting people up and serving them in stew, maybe clean up the ears off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, look, I, th- I think that's it. I think we've done it. Yeah. I think we've got through the show. Uh, I mean, what what co- com- compared to the game... I I think there's definitely things the game does better and things the show does better. Definitely. I just wish, like I said earlier, I wish the show had expanded on the game more, but I think the reason it didn't is just because of the uh, the short episode count. It, it kind of had to rush through some things, which is a shame because uh, you want to see that relationship grow over a longer time period and uh, see it be a bit more gradual, I think. Yeah, completely agree. I think I probably prefer the TV show's way of telling things, and I think Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey just played the parts more perfectly than the characters in the game, in a way. But I think definitely there's definitely things that the game did better and there's definitely things that the TV show did better. I wonder now how many uh, video game adaptations are going to be getting, like, gritty adaptations off the back of this, because that's always, you know, when something is massively successful like this has been, people are always trying to capitalise on that and replicate that. I've heard that Amazon is apparently, like, really pushing their God of War series forward now much quicker than they would have otherwise done. So last week we asked ChatGPT to write a story for the new Superman movie. It gave us some very interesting (laughs) outlooks on it. So I've just asked it, write an alternate version of The Last of Us. Okay. And this is what it's put. The story follows a different protagonist named Sarah, who is the daughter of Joel. The game begins with Sarah's perspective on the outbreak, and we see her and Joel attempting to escape the city together. Unfortunately, during their escape, they get separated and Sarah is left to fend for herself. The story picks up several years later and we see Sarah as a skilled survivor living alone in a small community. One day, she receives a message from a stranger who claims to know where Joel is and that he needs her help. Against her better judgment, Sarah sets out on a dangerous journey across the country to find Joel, encountering a variety of survivors and obstacles along the way. As Sarah makes her way through the ruins of America, she begins to uncover the truth about the outbreak, including the role that her father played in it. With each revelation, Sarah's worldview is challenged, and she must decide whether to confront the sins of her past or continue down the path of survival. Ultimately, Sarah reunites with Joel and learns the harsh truth about the outbreak, forcing her to make a difficult choice that will impact the fate of humanity. 
In the end, Sarah emerges as a strong and capable survivor who must grapple with the harsh realities of a post-apocalyptic world. Oh, shit, I like that. <laughs> I really oh, like shit. that. That's like, what if, for last of us. Yeah. What if should just take over everything? Yeah, I want, I want what if versions of everything now. How, like, did Sarah kill her father? It kind of implies that she has to choose whether to or not. Yeah. I like that, though. That's... Yeah, that, that's... Uh... I'm going to ask ChatGPT something every day and just send scripts off to multiple... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is something I thought of all by myself. But I'm thinking, we're going quite well with this. So how about a weekly segment on each podcast where we asked ChatGPT to write something for us in relation to that episode? Okay, so you've got until we record the next episode to uh, think of a name for the segment. And don't ask ChatGTP. I can see on your face you're thinking of asking ChatGPT to name the segment. We'll come back to that next episode. Um, but yeah, that is it for this episode. Oh, shit, you, that's you. <laughs> okay, okay, no. So I did ask, I did ask ChatGPT to write a name for a segment, a ChatGBT segment on a podcast, and it's given me four. Okay. I like two of them more. Okay, do them in ascending order of how much you like them. Okay. So starting Uh, with the worst. Talking to ChatGPT. That's crap. Chatting with the AI. Slightly better. (laughs) Deep thoughts with ChatGPT. No, that one's crap. The best one, AI Insights. Yeah, it's okay. You can do better. Quick roll reverse. I changed it to write a funny name for an AI segment on a podcast, and it came up with artificially intelligent banter. (laughs) (laughs) That is so bad. (laughs) The AI roast, chatting with the robot overlord. (laughs) (laughs) That's better. Um, So, from now on, this weekly segment will be called Chatting with the Robot Overlord. <laughs> so, thank you for listening. If you want to get in touch, you can email notnpod at gmail.com or message us on Twitter or Instagram at News of the Nerd. Obviously, the best thing you can do to support us is listen, subscribe, and rate on whatever streaming platform you're listening on. Obviously, tell your friends, co-workers, family, your mums, and the best way, tell those doomsday preppers to listen while they're stuck in a bunker. And on that, thank you. It's good night from me. Goodbye. I'm going to go and get my tea now. You enjoy that. Goodbye. You don't have long to wait. That is being released on Star Wars Day this year. So that is May the 4th. Why May the 4th? It's May the 4th every year then. May the 4th be with you. I was taking the piss. Well, you look serious. You can be a bit (laughs) dim sometimes, so...
they need to make it a solid movie that gives everyone what they wanted, the re-establishization. Re-establishization? No, re-establishization. But I, I think this does show that they are leaving the door open to do more, more like main Star Wars films, if you know, if you catch my drift. Yeah. If you're picking up what I'm putting down. I don't want to touch it. <laughs> <laughs>